The future of business. Future of business. Future of business. More global and more decentralized. Making sure that enterprises are a lot more responsible. Smart cities. More collaboration. Consumer-driven. Productivity. Environmental and social responsibility. Global. Human-centered. Purposeful. Individualized. Automation. Big data. Climate change. Space exploration. Renewable energy. Information security. Exciting and digital. Hello and welcome to the Future of Business podcast. I am your host, Alison MacArthur. Today on the podcast, we'll be exploring an industry that until very recently was illegal in most of the world. But loosening restrictions on cannabis generally, and medical cannabis in particular, have paved the way for a boom in the legal marijuana market. To learn more, I recently sat down with Tajin Verk and Paul Steckler of Canopy Growth, one of the leading players in the space and the first publicly listed cannabis company. Tej and Paul, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Why don't we start by um, you introducing yourselves and the company? Great. Well, look, thank you for having us here. And uh, you know, by way of introduction, I am uh, Tejinder Verk, Tej for short. I am the Deputy Managing Director for Canopy Growth in Europe. And so with that role, I oversee the uh, operational expansion of Canopy throughout the European region. Hi, Paul Steckler. Um, I'm COO of um, Spectrum UK. So my background is um, primarily pharmaceuticals and commercial roles. So I've been in pharmaceuticals about 20 years as commercial director of Pfizer a few years ago and chief commercial officer of some small UK biotechs and now just joined this very exciting time of growth. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, what what got you both um, into the cannabis industry specifically? It doesn't, I don't know, maybe seem to me like an obvious career path, but there's obviously a lot of buzz around it at the moment. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an exciting uh, time to be a part of the industry and uh, and lots of growth. Uh, so my, my background actually was largely focused on investment banking. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the investment banking uh, space, I worked with technology, consumer, and pharmaceutical companies primarily, so uh, working uh, on financing those companies, doing a lot of IPOs, and uh, you know, really my, my interests were across all of those sectors, and it was hard to find something outside of that that intersected, I think, across all three. And then the cannabis space uh, started to open up, and uh, for me personally, that was uh, really exciting because you have this really unique setup where there is both a consumer element and then a medical element. Mm-hmm. And then there's some technology that ties it together. Yeah, yeah. So obviously public opinion has started to shift around the consumption of cannabis and you know, regulation has loosened up a lot recently. It's becoming legalized in some other countries and that seems to be a trend. So obviously there are a lot of opportunities there. What do you think has caused this change? So at a, at a global level, I think there's been a increasing awareness of the medical efficacy of cannabis. Uh, it was only probably since 2005 that there was a, a good understanding of the endocannabinoid system and how cannabis interacts with that. And there's a, a sort of broader understanding of the, the therapeutic benefits of cannabis and in different indications. Uh, Canopy, for example, looks at planes, pain, sleep, and anxiety. Uh, with um, with recreational cannabis, and uh, this is more region-specific, I think there's been this um, sense that the uh, the way that cannabis was treated uh, historically was ineffective, uh, whether you want to call it the war on drugs or, or other, other such um, sort of measures. 
and by regulating it and controlling it, it's a, it's a better outcome for uh, consumers, public safety, and um, kind of drives a, you know, b benefits all around for society. So Canada, for example, uh, uh, legalized cannabis uh, for recreational use in October of 2018, and uh, those were largely the motivations there. And just, I guess, to put a kind of a UK spin on it and, and pharmaceutical spin, I guess, so I'm someone who grew up in the 70s and I think it's fair to say the UK is very different now than it was mm -hmm. back then in a good way. Um, so I think there has been a shift towards more liberal views towards um, drugs and everything else that's going on. And I think when you look at it from a pharmaceutical perspective, you know, the Home Office talks about there's already 240,000 people buying cannabis illegally for medicinal purposes. So this is not people smoking for recreational uses. This is people who actually are very sick. Um, that's children with epilepsy, people with MS, etc., etc., etc. Some people in a lot of pain. So there's already a huge market of people buying the drug on street corners in a way that's not regulated. It's not very helpful and it's potentially dangerous. Um, so, so for me, I think the shift is coming because people realise actually people are already having access to cannabis. We now need to regulate that um, so that people get good quality products. And you know, in pharmaceutical in the industry, really, patient safety is. As well as efficacy, patient safety is the biggest thing. It's the most important thing. So I think I think governments are beginning to realise that there's an opportunity here actually to partner um, and build an industry that actually could prove to be in the future, especially as clinical evidence builds over time, which it is. Um, it could this could be really useful for, for people um, in society, and I think that's why it's so important that that we continue to shift forwards, but in the right way. Mm -hmm. So what are your views on the use of marijuana for medical use versus just purely recreational use? Yeah, so at a, at a company-wide uh, level, so Canopy Growth has two uh, business divisions. Uh, you could largely group one of them as adult use recreation and for medical. Uh, in Europe, we are a European B2B pharmaceutical company when it comes to medical cannabis. So we do not have a recreational focus in Europe. Uh, with regards to our view on recreational, uh, Canopy wants to operate in markets where it is federally permissible to do so. And so if the government has appointed that uh, it should be allowed, we want to be a part of that business and, uh, and sort of help the consumer journey along there. And so for, for us, that, that that's pretty much where we focus and, and play. Obviously, you know, the industry is in its early phases and Canopy Growth has managed to rack up a lot of firsts, like, you know, so you're the first company that's to be listed on a major stock exchange, which is really interesting. Um, so what, what are the, like, the next big milestones for you? And what, what differentiates you from your competitors? How have you become so successful? Well, I think I would add to that, that list of firsts uh, speaking at uh, Oxford. <laughs> I'm actually doing a talk at, at the university uh, with, with students today. Uh, you know, I think we're the first cannabis company to, to do that. But, possibly, quite possibly, yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think, so if the question is what, what sort of drives that, mm -hmm. uh, really this is, um, I think that's a founder-led mentality. And uh, uh, Bruce Linton, who is uh, co-CEO, uh, founder and chairman, came from a technology background. He's a serial entrepreneur and... Uh, I think that that's the culture that he instills in Canopy, and he was the person behind that that listing, the financing, and then really the the success of uh, firsts after that, uh, building the team around him with that same mindset. And uh, but that was one of the attractive qualities for me to the company was to be a part of that that culture. And uh, you know, working in it, I can tell you that it's a it is a it's a hardworking company, uh, great uh, great teamwork, great collaboration, and we all want to achieve that together. 
And um, so recently you've also, you've made a, a number of acquisitions, recently a skincare company, which, which is interesting. So what kind of um, product ranges do you have and how are you looking to expand that? Yeah, so it, right now we're trying to cater our, our product base to what we're allowed to sell in different markets and um, in places like Canada and the United States, uh, beyond medicinal cannabis-based uh, medicines and uh, uh, recreational products, you also have uh, things like uh, skincare, uh, topicals, cosmetics, uh, beverages. I mean, all of these things can be infused with uh, with cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. And if the the markets allow for us to to actually sell those products, and so I'm specifically referring to regulations, we want to be involved there. I mean, our goal is to be the biggest cannabis company in the world, and we want to be uh, playing in those markets. So when it comes to things like um, skincare, uh, that's something that uh, you can see from our acquisition would be something we're interested in. I think if you look at uh, you know the Canadian and the US markets, th those could be places where uh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And what are the, some of the main challenges or roadblocks that you've encountered as you've grown the company over time? Is it, I mean, apart from the obvious kind of, you know, uh, the legalization in terms of maybe public sentiment or something like that, what sort of issues have you had to deal with? So uh, public sentiment, I think we, we talked a bit about that earlier, there, there seems to be a, a tailwind uh, behind uh, the public supporting uh, use of cannabis, at least at the medicinal level. Recreational is still more controversial. Uh, that, that's something we have a government relations team that sort of works with us to, to help understand and interface with governments. Uh, when it comes to the sort of the day-to-day the -day operational challenges, uh, if you look at uh, Canopy, we, we're very well capitalized. Uh, we have a, a substantial investment from Constellation Brands, which is a large uh, U.S. alcohol and spirits company. And that, I think the challenge has been taking that capital, allocating it, and, and growing as, uh, as fast as we can to, to tackle the opportunities that exist for us in different markets. And, uh, and with that comes recruiting and hiring, uh, coming up with the best business plans, and then also pivoting uh, as regulations change. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so y you have a, a very dynamic environment to contend with. Mm -hmm. Um, and Paul, you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the, the potential impetuses for governance in terms of legalising can cannabis, at least for medical use, is the fact that people can easily get cannabis if they want to on a street corner. And obviously mm -hmm. that comes with its own issues around, you know, the black market and supply chains. Uh, what's Canopy Growth sort of doing around, you know, ensuring that it has like a transparent supply chain and that there are sort of no issues? So, from a UK perspective, we um, clearly are working very closely with the regulators, um, and there is there is really strict guidelines, very well documented and published guidelines around how you bring cannabis into the country. Um, we are lucky, I guess, in the UK that we will have our own infrastructure, um, and the way that cannabis is stored, monitored, tracked, and everything else is is unbelievably strict. Um, and I should touch on actually the way that cannabis is grown. So I think. Many of you often, even when I joined this industry, you imagine some, you know, people imagine a hippie in a field with loads of cannabis around <laughs> and saying, oh, and then cut, you know, it's not like that. It, mm -hmm. it is really strict pharmaceutical conditions. You know, it's um, the science behind how you grow the right strains and how much THCs in the product, how much CBDs in the product, etc. Is it's meticulous and it takes many years to get that experience to understand how to do that properly and canopy do do it properly. So we um, 
so so it's it's really interesting because it's not what I think people expect. Um, so we have a really strict supply chain route. It's really governed um, whether we bring cannabis in from Canada or from Germany or wherever else in, in the world we bring cannabis in. It's 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 documented, and we have to let the regulators know what we're bringing in, when we're bringing it, and also more importantly why we're bringing it in so we will document why which patients we're bringing it in for not named patients but obviously it's anonymous but um, for specific needs and actually really interesting in the UK what I think we need to remind people is that um, cannabis is used once all other products have failed so if it's a patient with chronic pain for example they would have tried everything that is actually on the market including products where they've used them off-label so where they're actually not even licensed um, for that indication once they've tried all of those products only then do they get access to cannabis so we are not out there going for you've tried ibuprofen now you can try some cannabis it's this is you've tried everything in the pain scale mm-hmm. it's not worked and you know that you're kind of a last resort patient so so we follow that really 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 strictly um and it's it's highly regulated it's, it's a challenge though i think one of the just to, to add to that one of the biggest challenges in the uk i think is the stigma so there are yeah. patients who probably are already buying cannabis um on the street i say street corner we use that metaphorically but you know they're buying the, the products illegally and there is a stigma associated with going to your GP or even your specialist to say, do you know what, actually I've been using this and it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still that stigma. And that's similar to, you know, you go back, I can't even remember when, but a long time ago, I remember that I launched Viagra in the UK and Viagra, you know, erectile dysfunction. Back then, which is a long time ago now, it was the same stigma. You know, middle-aged men, um, interesting, I wasn't middle-aged then, so, but now I am. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> middle-aged men who just had this thing of I can't go to the GP, I cannot talk about, and they would skirt around the subject and say, I've got a really bad cold or a cough, or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we've got, and you can't compare the two, I know, but there's, there's a stimulant with cannabis, which I think is a challenge for us as well, which we need to come at somehow overcome, because if it's 240,000 people in the UK buying the product illegally already, yeah. and actually the numbers could be much higher, that's an, the home office estimate could be way higher, yeah. then that's a lot of people. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I guess just to follow on from that, you know, you've got a compassionate pricing model. So that's about making medical cannabis affordable for patients. Could you, and you also provide medical education programs to Canadian physicians. Could you tell us a little about those initiatives and why they're so important to the company? Sure. So, uh, again, that, that's a little more Canadian focused, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think speak to the principles of the company mm-hmm. uh, with the compassionate pricing. Uh, so. Canopy was founded around providing medical cannabis first and foremost, and so uh, wanting to make sure that the patients are receiving uh, uh, medicine at an affordable price. And also, uh, it's interesting to, to note that in Canada, it's not covered under national health care, so it's not reimbursed. Uh, there are some insurance programs that, that you can get that will cover medicinal cannabis use through uh, flexible benefits. but. It, it's largely on the patient to to purchase this, so that that's where we try to make sure that people are are, are getting access uh, if if they fall within the I guess the income band requirements to to get that. With the medical education, it's um, it's something that we try to to be a leader in in the market. We want to uh, uh, make sure that, that patients, physicians uh, understand uh, exactly how the medicine works. Uh, so understanding the science, understanding the dosage. Uh, obviously, this is different in different markets. In Canada, it's it's a different way that we interact with the patient than it is in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Canada, you, you do have a, a more direct contact with the patient. Here, it's uh, it's through doctors and pharmacists. We don't speak directly to the patient. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but look, the information is out there, yeah, and uh, you can access it uh, online. 
So I guess um, there might be a challenge around the fact that, you know, it's not just customers that have to um, accept cannabis, but when you're a B2B company, um, it'll be doctors that are prescribing the cannabis, so you'll have to get their buy-in as well. Um, do doctors see cannabis as a, a viable treatment at the moment? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. So, uh, so doctors uh, are, are increasingly uh, understanding that, that cannabis is a, a viable treatment therapy for, again, some of the indications we talked about earlier, pain, sleep, and anxiety. Those are things that Canopy focuses on. Uh, there's obviously a, a longer list uh, aside from that. And, uh, and that's where the, um, the education, it's where the, the, the scientific studies are focused. And uh, I mean, I think the, the longer term goal would be to create more substantiated evidence-based claims around certain of these indications that um, a lot of doctors gravitate to. Um, but then this is also patient driven. So patients who have been buying on the black market or, or acquiring again, kind of somehow, um, they've been going to doctors and, uh, telling them what works for them as well. And now obviously this works into that framework of not being the first line treatment, but, but after you've tried a bunch of other things, but, um, but there is a, a certain amount of this, uh, driven by, by patients and there are advocacy groups, um, yeah, that they kind of follow the subject. Tej and Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was great to have your time. Thank you. Yeah, really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions, you can reach us at sbspodcasts.ox.ac.uk. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>